coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Charlie. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and joining me today, as she does each and every Thursday night, to make our picks of the week is my illustrious co-host, Charlie. We're going to go with illustrious this week, Charlie. And Charlie, I know you're actually not going to Jacksonville for the game this year. I think for the first time in many a year, you haven't withdrawals yet? Nope. Not at all? That was very matter-of-fact. Nope. Not a game I really care to go to. I, and I know this is the one game, especially, the, well, I think the one game on the schedule that every year you're kind of like, oh my God, I have to go there again. And we've talked about this before on the show, but I know we've got some newer listeners this season. For our newer listeners, explain to people out there why you don't like going to Jacksonville for a football game. I don't like the city. I also don't like that it's on Halloween usually and people are dressed up. It's always my birthday weekend except for this year. I find that creepy and strange. Because I have my own issues. People can dress up all they want, but my brain says, mm, are you really a psycho? You might really be crazy, and I should probably stay away from you. Yeah. Let's go back to the city part. So you're saying the whole city of Jacksonville is terrible? I mean, there's just not anything to really do within walking distance. See, I, it's downtown Jacksonville that's the problem. I'm, I'm not going to crap on the entire city of Jacksonville. There's nice parts. San Marco, there's nice places, nice restaurants. Right, but it's not within walking Exactly. And, and you and I, like, well, our, our preference, and this is just us. I know some people love the trip to Jacksonville. They love that game, and that's awesome. I'm glad you guys enjoy it. It's just not, and I, I'm with Charlie. It's not my favorite because we are, are, like, it just depends on what you want to do for a game day weekend. We like to get to the hotel, whatever hotel we're staying at, and we like to park and not to drive again until we're leaving on Sunday. We have to be able to walk everywhere to the stadium, restaurants, bars, events, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, Jacksonville, you can there's hotels within walking to the stadium. You can do that, but the landing used to be there, which I mean, but the landing went so downhill. But at least it was some sports bars, some decent stuff. You know, we would go there because it was right by the hotel. We always stayed at the Hyatt Regency downtown. At least I do. I don't know about Charlie. You said there a couple of times, um, but that's not there anymore. And now that that's gone, there are literally there's nothing in downtown Jacksonville. There's nothing around the stadium. There's no entertainment center. There's no bars, restaurants. Like one maybe on the corner there, but it's it's not my kind of scene. So uh, yeah, it's not my favorite trip either. The game is always fun. I always love the game, and a lot of people do St. Simons and Amelia, which I yeah, am intrigued by, I guess. But the, the the issue for me is, guys, I like to watch other games, and if I stay in Amelia or St. Simons, then I have to drive to the game the day of the game. So I'm not getting to watch those noon games unless I drive there very early and I run in the morning. Usually training for a half marathon or something going on. And so getting there at six o'clock in the morning, I don't like to tailgate outside. We always tailgate at bars. It's just kind of how we do things. So it's just not our thing. Like driving to and from, you're just missing a lot of football on a football Saturday. We only get so many, so many Saturdays. So I'm with you, Charlie. It's not my favorite trip either, but it's one I made for many years now. I've lost count on how many years in a row I've been down there. But all right, let's take a quick look back at last week. Really, it was a pretty good week all around. Charlie and our guest host went seven and one straight up. I went six and two straight up. I took a flyer on LSU. I actually had Auburn. I'm looking at the spreadsheet right now from last week. I had Auburn initially, but when Charlie picked Auburn right before me, I saw a chance to maybe gain a game on her because I thought this was kind of a, a toss-up type game. So I went ahead and took 
LSU took that version of the Tigers, and obviously that was an epic fail. That's a pick I got to own because that clearly did not work out. So that's why I ended up 6-2 on the week, which is still a good week. Not 7-1, but still pretty solid. So on the year right now, Charlie is still in the lead straight up with a 35-15 and 15 overall record. I'm right behind her, a game behind her at 34-16. And, and our guest hosts with their 7-1 week last week are at 29-21 and 21 overall in the straight up picks. Against the spread, I went 4-4. Four and four. We weren't quite as good against the spread. Our guest hosts were actually 6-2 against the spread. I went 4-4. Four and four. Charlie went 3-5. and five. So in our against the spread picks, I'm in the lead with a 29-21 record against the spread. Charlie's coming in right behind me at 25 and 25, still right at 500. And our guest host made a move last week, 23 and 27 now against the spread. So that's where we are entering week seven. But we've got another set of games to pick this week, and I feel pretty good about the games this week. So maybe I'll get that elusive 8-0 undefeated week. It hasn't happened yet. Charlie and our guest host Sam both went 7-1 straight up last week. They got really close. I had a 7-1 week a couple weeks ago, so I've gotten close, but no one's gotten there yet. But I got a feeling this week might be the week. And last week, you guys know, due to circumstances beyond our control, we didn't have a guest host last week for the first time in about a year and a half on this show on our pick shows. Uh, we have a storm to thank for that, but we are back on track this week with a guest host that I've been hoping to get a chance to have on on one of these pick shows for a while now, but you know, you can't, you don't want to play favorites when you host a podcast like this. We want to give everyone a fair chance, but congratulations to Gino for winning week six of our Glory UGA Pick'em League. He actually missed out on a perfect game by one measly point. Northwestern got him with their one point victory over the Iowa Hawkeyes last week. So let's welcome in Gino, at least he goes by codename Gino in the Pick'em League who is the man who introduced me to this beautiful sport of football and who also happens to be my dad. So welcome to the show, Dad. Glad to have you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. It's been a long time coming. It's been a long time coming. We wanted to do this for a while, but we didn't want to be accused of playing favorites and just having my dad here all the time. So I'm really glad you actually won last week. But are you ready to lose to your son? Can you handle that? Uh, wouldn't be the first time. That's true, but I mean, look, you, you can't take I can't take it easy on you just because you're old. It doesn't work yeah, that way. Yeah. Those days, those days are those days are behind us. But all right, Charlie, she's here with us too. Charlie, you ready? I'm ready. All right, what you got? All right, first up, Miami will travel to NC State tomorrow to play under the Friday Night Lights. Talk about a great show. That's a great to, TV show. I might have to go back and rewatch that with all the extra time at home. Dad, did you ever watch that show, Friday Night Lights? Oh yes, I love it. Yeah, that's one of the great television shows. It really is. It is, for sure. Anyways, Miami and North Carolina State have had a bye week to prepare for this matchup. Miami is 5-1 and one with their only loss being to ACC giant Clemson, while NC State has a 4-2 and two record. The Canes are favored by 10.5. I think Miami will win this one with North Carolina State covering. Um, I'm considering that while Miami has had a bye week to prepare, that they may come out a little bit lethargic and playing on a Friday. Although on it is road. at night and on the road. Yeah, but those road Friday games, it's it's tough. It's tough for those road teams. Anyways, Gene, what's your pick? Well, I sort of agree. Um, coming off a of bye week, they might be a little, a little lethargic. But uh, NC State, I've actually been there 
to a game there. It's, sometimes it's a tough place to play. I know there's not a crowd this year, but um, I would definitely take uh, NC State in the points. And as right. far as winning straight, winning straight out, I think Miami, I think Miami will find a way to win, but I think NC State will make it very close. All right, I like those picks. I like those picks. And yeah, Dad, you've always told me how NC State can be like like one of the most underrated places to be a road team and play a game. I've never made it up there. I was always wish we would go up there. It's really is a nice town, but never quite made it up there. But I'm with both of you here. I will say Miami is not back yet. Let's pump the brakes on that. They are better. They are improved, especially on offenses because last year they were like. They were a train wreck offensively. But they're much better offensively. Derek King at quarterback has certainly helped lead that offensively for them, that, that, that kind of renaissance for them, as has Rhett Lash, the new offensive coordinator. They're certainly improved, but they're not completely back yet. But they don't have to be completely back to beat NC State, especially an NC State team that's likely going to start Bailey Hockman to get at quarterback. I have no faith in this guy whatsoever. He's not, a, he's not an FBS quarterback. He's just not, at least not a power five quarterback at all. And I know, Dad, you agree with me on that. We, we've been talking about that going back when we first signed him. But he's um, he's probably going to get the start from him again today or on Friday. So I, if that's the case, Miami, even though they're not 100% back, I can't take NC State here. I, it probably would be a rocking stadium for this game. But with the North Carolina protocols, I don't, I don't think they're allowed to have 25% in their stadium. Right now. I, don't, I don't even know if they're allowed to have more than 10% in their stadium yet. So I don't know if that's going to play much of a factor in this game. So I'm going to take Miami to win. You know what? I'll go, I'll go a little bit different than you guys. I'm going to take Miami to win and cover. The hook gives me pause there, that half point. But let's say Miami by two touchdowns. All right. In another Friday night game, number 21, Boise State is hosting undefeated number nine, BYU. BYU is ranked higher than Boise State. But I think Boise State will pull this one out with the spread only being BYU by three. Both offenses have the ability to score. So I think it will be a high-scoring affair. I'm going to go with Boise to win and cover. Gene? Okay, I like the BYU quarterback. I think he's really a dynamic. Um, it is at Boise. I know that's a really tough place to play as well. I think I think Boise will cover, but I feel like BYU will find, will find a way to pull it out. Okay. It's a good pick. It's a good pick. I, I like – who'd you pick, Charlie? Boise. Boise. You got the Broncos. All right. Uh, yeah, I agree, Dad. Zach Wilson, like that quarterback at BYU, no one really talks about him nationally, but he. I honestly think he needs to be in the Heisman race. I don't think that's too aggressive to say. Look at these numbers. 307 yards a game, 74% completion percentage, and 11.2 yards per attempt, 19 touchdowns, two picks. I know they haven't really played much anybody. I get that, but this dude has been dynamic. That's the right word, Dad. I totally agree with you. He's been electric for them. He's got a couple receivers, Dax Milne, uh, Romney, one, one of the 700 Romney clan members. I, I think what's uh, I think it's Mitt Romney's nephew, I want to say, Gunnar Romney. So uh, this this BYU offense is dynamic. 527 yards a game, 7.55 yards per play, top 10 nationally in yards per play. Definitely true they haven't played anybody. But look, guys, it's a bunch of like 29-year-old Mormons with like four kids each and another on the way. Just pile driving teams. I don't care if they haven't played anybody. They're killing the, who they have played. They're plus 1,725 yards on the year, outscoring their opponents by 31 points a game. To give you some, just a, some reference here, like we're only outgaining teams by 517 yards and outscoring them by 13 points a game. Alabama's only outgaining teams by 996 yards and 25 points per game. I know we play a tougher schedule in BYU. I get that. But I don't care who you're playing. When you're beating teams that badly, you're pretty good. 
Uh, and I, we still don't know a ton about Boise. I know Hank Bachmeyer is a good quarterback. They're 2-0. But this is a game. Uh, this game is in Boise. You guys are right pointing that out. And, and here's what also concerns me for BYU. It's all about practice time. So the election this week, I don't know if you guys caught this, no team in America was allowed to hold any organized activities this week on Tuesday, on, on election day. And But most teams compensated for that by practicing on Sunday. Like we held a walkthrough on Sunday. But the LDS church will not allow BYU to do that. They can't do anything on Sunday. Plus, they have a travel day on, on Thursday to get there for a Friday game. So that short week, less practice time, that matters against a very quality opponent in Boise State. So that certainly concerns me in this pick. I think BYU is the better team. But they basically had like a day and a half to prep for Boise State. And Boise State's a good team. And to only be able to prep like that, that's, that's, that's concerning. But I do just think at the end of the day, BYU is the better team. I think they're too balanced. I do think it's going to be close because the lack of prep time and the fact that it's at Boise State. But I like the Mormons here. Give me BYU to win and cover. All right. Well, last week, Michigan State upset the Wolverines, which surprised most of us. I'm sure the mood hasn't been too cheerful on Michigan's campus time this Time out, week. time out. What? That surprised most. Who who, got, who won money off that last week? Did picking, you? I don't oh, remember. yeah. Yeah, picking Michigan State over Michigan. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's go. Anyways. Just mute, mute, mute. I'm just, I'm just pointing out facts. Can I do my job? Go ahead. Yes, you okay. did an excellent job. So it probably hasn't been too cheerful up there in Michigan this week. And with a noon kickoff, I think Michigan will have a more difficult time getting up for this game than Indiana will um, since Michigan lost last weekend and they're playing on the road. I'm picking Indiana to win and cover. I'm probably going to have a really bad record after this week because I feel like there are several games that could go either way and so that you guys aren't listening to the same picks over and over. You went 7-1 and one last week. You, you, you can have a bad week. It's okay. 7-1. Okay. 7-1. Seven 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 and one? Oh. Yeah, did you not hear the intro 7-1? I wasn't paying attention of course you to were. that part. Of course. I don't know. All right, Gene, what's your pick? Okay, I'll go with um, – I think Indiana will cover because, of course, they're at home. And they've just been playing really sort of inspirational football this year. I mean, they they took they took a giant step last year toward respectability, and they seem to be following that course this year as well. But Michigan coming after a loss, and I feel like Harbaugh's under a lot of pressure up there. I just think they need to win this. So I, I'm picking Indiana to to uh, cover the spread, and taking Indiana in the points. But I think Michigan will win the game. All right, Tyler. Yeah, I, I like that, Dad. I like that a lot. Like, here's what I would say. Yes, I, by the way, I, yes, I will say it again, Charlie. This guy had Michigan State last week. Won some money on that. Let's go. Uh, but people are overreacting to that Michigan State loss from Michigan, just like they overreacted to Michigan State losing to Rutgers after, after turning the ball over seven, t- seven times. Like, that's why I picked Michigan State to beat Michigan. So it's like Michigan State wasn't as bad as everyone was saying they were after losing the Rutgers. Yeah, I know losing the Rutgers is a bad look, but how often are you going to turn the ball over seven times? That's the only reason they lost that game. They outgained Rutgers like almost two to one. They were a better football team. They just blew it in that one game. And with a rivalry game, the chip on your shoulder, I just I thought there was a chance. I thought there was a chance Michigan State would do it with no crowd in the stands. And uh, they, they they hung on, barely, but they hung on. Uh, and look, they're not great. I'm not saying Michigan State's great, but they're not terrible either. Now, I, I get it. I will say with the transitive property of football equality, that would suggest that Indiana is going to win this game easily because if you look at it by extension, again, transitive property of football equality, Michigan State loses to Rutgers. Michigan State then turns around and beats Michigan. Indiana beats Rutgers on the road, which beat Michigan State in East Lansing. So, 
If you use the transitive property of football equality, Indiana should therefore beat Michigan, right? A plus B equals C equals D squared, 9, 12, who knows, right? But see, the thing is, I just don't believe in the transitive property of football equality like some people do. Indiana got all this love for beating Penn State. Guys, Penn State is okay. They're fine. They're not what people think they are. Right now in the year, Indiana is minus 177 yards. I know it's only two games, but they ha- they've been winning by very small margins. Yeah, they're 2-0, but by a very small margin. They actually almost got doubled up in total yards by Penn State, and their quarterback, Penix, is pretty good, but he's only completing 58% of his passes. I know he got a lot of love because of how he played in that final drive of regulation against Penn State to put the game in overtime. Then he has the touchdown that might maybe it wasn't really, or the two-point conversion that maybe wasn't really a two-point conversion to beat Penn State to win that game. So he's got a lot of love, and, and he's everyone's, He's their guy right now, right? But he's only completing 58% of his passes, and it's just not a dynamic offense. The Michigan defense, I think, is going to give them issues. Michigan doesn't have a ton of athletes, but they're still a very well-coached, good, solid defense. And Joe Milton has played well. Uh, He doesn't really have a ton of playmakers around him, but I I think he can lead this offense to do just enough to beat an Indiana offense that, that is itself still trying to find its footing. Plus, Michigan's pissed off. They're pissed off after the loss to Michigan State. They're going to want to kind of make amends for that. Just like Michigan State came into the game last week against Michigan, pissed off and wanting to make amends. I think you're going to see a different Michigan team this week. And I think Michigan is going to go into Indiana, into Bloomington, and get this victory, get a top 15 win, and take a little bit of the pressure off Jim Harbaugh for now, for now. So give me the Wolverines to win and also cover the three and a half. And Charlie, before we go on, I know we got a lot more games to cover today, but I do want to take a quick minute or two to tell everyone out there about our good friends at MyBookie. We do our best on these Picks of the Week shows to give you guys all the knowledge, all the winners that you need to go out and make yourself some money. And guys, you know it's clear. 2020 has been a year unlike any other. College football got started real late with the NBA bubble, UFC Fight Island, and that's why you need a sportsbook with offers unlike any other one out there. Get some skin in the game with MyBookie, where odds boost, lightning deals, and free bets await you all season long. And with Turkey Day right around the corner, there really is no better time to feast on some NFL action. Whether you're a first-time customer or you've been playing with MyBookie for years, there's no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer each and every week of the season, guys. So sign up or get reloaded today Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. It's that easy. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to to all the classic table, slot, and card games you expect to find at your local spot if you're into that kind of thing. And the best part is, at MyBookie, the the doors never close, guys. It's always open. You can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie. And when you do, use promo code OVERTIME to get your deposit matched halfway all the way up to a thousand bucks. The terms are simple. You put in 200, they'll match you with another hundred dollars in your account. If you were already playing to bet this season, guys, this is free betting money. So it's winning season at my bookie. So come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. All right. The Texas Longhorns beat OK State last weekend, and this weekend they will host West Virginia. This is another game that, in my opinion, could go either way. Texas's defense is pretty bad, though, so I think West Virginia will be able to score. However, I'm going with the Longhorns to win and the Mountaineers to cover. Gene, what's your pick? 
Okay, I think Texas, um, in Texas right now, Tom Herman is under a lot of pressure. Um, he's going to have to prove something. And I think last week's win was a big lift for them. They're coming home. I, I think they'll be playing well, be up for the game. And West Virginia just doesn't play well when, the, when they travel west. West Virginia is a great team at home, but they just don't play well on the road. So I'm picking Texas to win and cover. All right, Tyler. I'm a little different on this one. Because to me, like, and maybe this is just wishful thinking. I don't know. But I think losing this game would be like the most Texas thing the Longhorns could possibly do. Because it would just be like the latest instance of like, hey, yeah, we're back. We just beat a top 10 team. And then immediately followed by another face plant, which is kind of what they've been doing for almost 15 years now. In West Virginia, guys, they're quietly pretty good this season. If you look at their, their total yardage differential, they're plus 1,255 yards on the year, plus 13 points per game. Guys, Texas is only plus 250 on the year. Like West Virginia maybe hasn't played quite as tough of a schedule as Texas, but still been a Big 12 schedule. Uh, in Texas, by the way, yeah, I know they beat Oklahoma State last week. That sucked because I, I had Oklahoma in our picks here. But they shouldn't have won that game. O- Oklahoma State outgained them 530 to 287 yards, basically doubled them up. Texas just benefited from four turnovers. So if West Virginia doesn't turn the ball over, I think West Virginia has a chance to win this game. Jared Dagey, the quarterback for the Mountaineers, is second in the conference in passing. But it's the defense more than anything. Their defense is, I want to say it's kind of legit. They're, they're tops in the Big 12, give only 255 yards a game. Guys, that's top five nationally. And I don't think anyone knows that. Like No one is talking about that. They're good. I actually caught some of their game last week. They're pretty good. I think this line is totally wrong. I think it's an overreaction to Texas beating Oklahoma State last week and the fact that they are Texas. But I'm going to go with the Mountaineers. Not only do the Mountaineers cover, but they go into Austin and win. This is my upset special of the week. Couches are going to be burning in Morgantown. And, Dad, you're right. Tom Herman's seat is going to get even hotter after this one. I forgot that they do that. They burn those couches, baby. so strange. Can you imagine just throwing your couch out? I mean, Do you think they burn, like, their, like, good couches? Like, the one in your living room that you sit on? I don't Hey, we burned our couch. Honey, where are we going to sit now? Hey, we won the game. It doesn't matter. Like, I don't know. I don't know what the, how that Not works. a tradition I would like to partake you just, in. Do you just buy like random couches like out of the scrapyard and just put them in your backyard just in case you win a big game? I don't know. Why don't you research that? I don't know. That's weird. Know. All right. Texas A&M will take a trip to the East this weekend to take on the Gamecocks. I'm not very impressed with the Aggies, especially with Jimbo Fisher's $75 million contract. However, they are 4-1 with their only loss to Alabama. I think playing at South Carolina at night will give the Gamecocks an advantage, but not enough to win. A&M will win, but South Carolina will keep it close enough to cover. Gene, what's your pick? Okay, I'm going a little bit different direction on this. Um, South Carolina, they've they've had a good season for South Carolina so far. The team seems a little bit slow. They don't have a lot of team speed. And I think Texas A&M will spread it out and uh, give, give the Gamecocks all sorts of problems. So I'm picking Texas A&M to win and cover. All right, Tyler. Dad, I love you. You're a smart man. You know your football. But I'm going to go with Charlie on this one. This one intrigues me. I think the Cox actually have a shot to pull off the upset in this game. They're coming off a bye week. A&M is not. You guys know I think that's a big deal more often than not. A&M, but if one team is just significantly more talented than the other team, then it doesn't really matter usually. But A&M has more overall talent than South South Carolina. Don't get me wrong, they do. 
but I don't know if the gap is that huge. I, I know the perception is that it, that it's huge, but I don't I don't know if it's that big. I mean, AM hasn't really been dominant. They're plus 253 yards in the year, only plus one points per game over their they're outscoring their opponents by one point a game. Carolina is, yeah, minus 120 in total yards differential, and they're, but they're only minus one point per game. And they and uh if you, but if you look at Florida, I will or you look at AM, I will say AM does have the Florida win. Carolina does not have a win like Florida. They have the win over Auburn, but Auburn is not Florida. I, I think we can Fairly say that. So AM said it was a little tougher, but if you look at their their splits, their differentials there, it's not altogether all that different. I don't think there's a huge gap between these teams. And you know, Carolina hasn't like they haven't been great against the run, though. They're 10th in the SEC in rush defense, which is what AM does well. I also trust Kellen Mond more than I trust Colin Hill, although I will say I never thought I would say that I trust Kellen Mond more than any other quarterback. I never thought I would ever say that, but here I am saying it. But, but strange things can happen in Columbia. I've seen it happen. I've been there live. Strange things can happen. I think the Cox can play ball control with their run game with Kevin Harris, who's a good physical guy at a Grayson High School here in the state of Georgia. I think they can keep this close. And if things bounce their way, like they kept the game against Tennessee in week one close. Things just didn't bounce their way. Literally, it bounced, the, they got a stop, a fourth down, a late game stop in the fourth quarter, about two minutes left, about a minute and a half left to have a chance to go down there and score and win the game. And the ball, the punt literally bounces, takes a weird bounce, and hits one of the game clock blockers in the back, and the Tennessee recovers. So I think they can keep it close like that, but maybe the balances go their way. I just I think the AM run game and Kelamon off play action will be just a little too much. So giving the Aggies to win, but I'm going to take the Gamecocks to cover. All right. Next up, Sam Pittman and his Hogs are playing Tennessee. The Vols are only a one-and-a-half-point favorite on the road which I find shocking. But then again, Arkansas is really proving people wrong in a transition year. The line just looks weird, didn't it? It's like, huh? One and a half? I, okay. I, I don't know that I've ever seen. One and a half? Yeah. Usually it's like, is that close as a pick them? Yeah. 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 So we all know I want Arkansas to win. Even if the spread was 10, I would probably still pick the upset. So I'm going with the Hogs to win and cover. I actually started typing out a bunch of info about Jeremy Pruitt when I was typing out my info. You hate Jeremy Pruitt. And then I realized that I had like this like rant paragraph and I was like, no, people don't. We love a, no, people love a good rant. People love a good rant. Yeah, I know. But it just, and then it started making me really angry and I just. Okay. We don't want to make I, you angry. I decided to spare you. Anyways, Gene, what's your pick? Well, I think uh, Jeremy Pruitt really, this is a win he really, really needs. But the problem he has, he can't. They don't can't seem to figure out who the quarterback is right now. I mean, uh, yeah. Garantano has been doing. He's been doing okay, and I know they wanted to bring the um, the other kid in, but he's just not there yet. And it's at Arkansas. Sam Pittman has guys playing solid football. I think Arkansas is going to win. I think they'll, and I think they'll cover. All right, Tyler. Yeah, I like who would have thought this game, like you were saying, Charlie, who would have thought this game would basically be a pick 'em before the season when with how these two teams would perceive the offseason? It's crazy to think this is where we are. This is college football, that's why you love it. You never really know. You think you know, but you never really know. Uh, Tennessee's coming off the bye week, Arkansas is not. So I think that might be a factor here. You guys know, again, I, I'm big on bye weeks. I do, I will maintain that Tennessee is the more talented team overall. They have better overall players, especially on defense. But Arkansas, it's not like they're just completely devoid of talent. They have some dudes on offense, especially on offense. Rakeem Boyd can run the football. Traylon Burks, a wide receiver, is a big physical guy that can move. And Felipe Franks has become a new man at Arkansas. It's a rebirth. He's the Phoenix. It has risen. He's a, He's got 11 touchdowns, three interceptions on the year. Avoided those catastrophic mistakes for the most part. 
I'm with you, Charlie. I, I definitely would love to see Sam Pittman and his Arkansas Razorbacks get this win. I mean, I hate Tennessee. I hate Jeremy Pruitt. So anyone being Tennessee is a great day as long as, long as it doesn't hurt us. Uh, but I just – I don't know. Like, in, when this game is e- – I will say, when this game is against two evenly matched teams and it's at Arkansas, I really want to spend Saturday night rooting for them. Uh, I, I do. I mean, and that's a, that's a terrible way to make a pick. You're going with your heart over your head, which is never a good idea. I never encourage you to do that when you're actually putting money on a game. But what the heck? It's an evenly matched game. Tennessee, I, I think Jeremy Pruitt, I don't want to say he's quite on the hot seat yet, but they need to get on the right track. And Dad, you're totally right. I mean, they haven't they've had a quarterback problem there for a while. And Jared Quantano, like he has these moments where he can be really good. I just don't know if it's gonna be if one of those moments will be against that. Well, I think it's a solid Arkansas defense. So I am taking the hogs, and here's why. Here's another thing. Another thing I I never thought I'd hear myself saying. I just trust Felipe Franks more than Jarrett Guarantano. I never thought I would say I trust Felipe Franks more than anybody else. But in this game, I do. That's how little I think of Jarrett Guarantano in his cash driver decision-making at times. So, yeah, give me the hogs. I'm with you. All right. The Clemson-Boston College game was a lot closer than we thought it was going to be last week with backup quarterback DJ. Say it for me. Uwe Ungalele. Thank you. Let's go. I, ha- I, can, I can hear it in my brain. Uwe Ungalele. Make myself pronounce it. It's correctly. that ung. You I don't see a, a G, but it's, there's an ung, like to a yeah. tongue of Iloi. Where's the G, but it's okay. I need a Samoan. Let's go. Anyways, he took Trevor Lawrence's place while he's out with COVID. Remember, though, he found out he was going to be starting last Saturday, halfway through the week. So he's gotten more reps with the ones this week and will be more prepared to take on the Fighting Irish and South Bend on Saturday night. Clemson is still only a five and a half point favorite and they have a strong defense while, or I'm sorry, Clemson has a strong offense while Notre Dame has a strong defense. So this should be an interesting game. I think Clemson will win, but I'm picking Notre Dame to cover. Gene, what's your pick? Okay, Charlie, I think I'm sort of along those lines. Notre Dame, you just, I mean, they're playing at home. It's probably the biggest game they've had there in quite a while. Um, So you know they're going to be high for it. Plus, Notre Dame does have a good defensive unit. And DJ at Clemson, the new quarterback, he's he's sort of had a week to think about this. And sometimes being a young guy like that, especially a true freshman, um. Thinking about it too much is not a good thing. It's true. He's having, to go into a, he's having to go into a tough environment. I think Clemson is definitely the more talented team. I think Notre Dame will – I would take Notre Dame in the points, but I think Clemson in their talent will find a way to pull the game out. All right. Tyler? Yeah, that's a good breakdown, Dad. I like it. I, I like it. You're right. This is a huge game for Notre Dame. and You're right. This might be the biggest game – this might be the biggest game in Notre Dame Stadium since Rudy got it against Georgia Tech all those years ago. It might be. It's been a minute. But like, I know that all the attention is centering around Trevor Lawrence and the fact that he's not playing. But, hey, guys, Uwe Ungalale, he put up Trevor Trevor Lawrence-like numbers last week against BC. Like, I know we're saying, oh, well, yeah, they almost lost to BC, but it's okay. It's because Trevor Lawrence wasn't there. That had nothing to do with why they almost lost to BC because – Uwe Ungalale put up base the same numbers that Trevor Lawrence would put up. I don't know if Trevor Lawrence would have done anything different. I mean, 30 or 41, 342, two touchdowns, no picks. Like, how much is Trevor Lawrence going to improve on that? And that wasn't the issue. That wasn't the problem. He played really well. Dad, you're right, though, and that now he has a week to think about it, and they, they have some tape on him, and maybe that pressure gives him potentially. 
And the Notre Dame defense is really good, guys. I mean, I, I know we don't want to give them credit. They haven't really played anybody. So how real is it? But they're giving up only – they're giving up under 300 yards per game. But, again, how real is that when you play Duke, South Florida, Pitt, Louisville, Florida State, Georgia Tech? Like, okay, yeah, but have we seen you against a real team with actually legitimate talent like Clemson has? And if you look at the, the total yards differential on, this, on the year, I mean, it's, I mean Clemson's better. They're plus 1,600. Notre Dame's plus 1,000. But there's not, you know, not a, a dramatic difference there. I think these are two really good teams. I do think Notre Dame is good. But the Notre Dame offense is a ball control offense based around their ground game. They're not really threatening anyone downfield. I don't want to say they're completely one-dimensional, but in some ways they are. I actually think, I know he's young and inexperienced. I think Uyunglele will be the better quarterback in this game. And I do think Clemson, as you said, Dad, has more talent overall. I think they will flex that talent in this game. I think they're going to win. I think they're going to cover five and a half. Like Trevor Lawrence getting a lot of respect. And I get it, but it, this Clemson team is not just Trevor Lawrence. They also have the ACC's all-time leading rusher on the team. And I know you say, well, Notre Dame can stack the box. But I think Uyung Lule, if they do that, is good enough to make them pay. So I'm going to take the Tigers to win and cover. All right. Now it's time to talk about the cocktail party, which won't be much of a party this weekend for students that usually head down south to the beaches. Many beaches are not allowing any drinking or open containers. It's like frat beach, I don't, I don't think any. Yeah, they should going do that on. every year in Xavier <laughs> Town. Like it's just a mess. Well, it gets the, the economy benefits from all the yeah the drunken college people. Yeah, hospital probably has enough. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Jacksonville and the stadium have also implemented safeguards to limit the spread during the event. We all know how big the rivalry is, and the hate is real. Our defense is down a lot of players, and there was even a players-only meeting this week to encourage the younger guys to step up. Uh, I think if we can run the ball, we will be successful, and I hope that our defense can hold off the two Kyles. I'll let Tyler and Gene go into more detail, but I'm going with the Dogs to win and Florida to cover, but I think it will be a nail-biter. I don't know if if my heart can take that. Maybe. We'll see. It's got to. Gene, what's your pick? Okay, Charlie. Um. I have a lot of concerns about the dogs' defense right now. Um, LeCount not being back there to sort of direct the traffic. And with the fact that Trask is so accurate with his deep throws, um, it's it's a definitely a concern. Jordan Davis, I'm not sure if he's going to play this week. Even if he does, he's not going to be 100%. Um, I think it's going to be tough defensively. Uh, offensively, I just hope Georgia can um, open it up a little bit. If um, if they do, they have a shot. I don't think they can become too one-dimensional. They are going to have to throw the ball. They don't have to throw it 35, 40 times a game, but they have to throw it 20 to 25 times a game and be very efficient when they do it. But all that being said, I take um, – going against the grain here, I'm picking – Florida with a Florida cover with Florida with the points, and um, I'm picking the Gators to win the game outright. Of, oh, of course Gene. you are. Of course you are. That's okay. But you, that doesn't surprise me at all. I'm not saying you're wrong. You're, you're probably going to be right. But you always err on the side of pessimism with your teams, don't you? You, you have to admit that. Well, I just. And I have a little bit. You pass that down to me, Dad. Okay, I, I'm. I always. I, I am. You guys know me. The thing I, that, I expect the, the worst. Thing that, the, the thing that bothers me, scares me about the defense is that Trask does throw the deep ball so well, and 
the dogs have been burned numerous times this year with that. See, I don't think and he throws. I don't think he pushes the ball down the field all that much. I think they're more in the inter, the short intermediate range, and, and they get the guys in space, let them make plays. I don't think he's that proficient. I think, on it, I think in this game you're going to see him try to go deep, try especially try to open try to open up the intermediate game. I do agree. I think I agree with that. I think they'll take some shots going deep. I do agree there. I just don't know how effective they're going to be because he just doesn't do that consistently. But they'll take some shots because they, they watched the Alabama tape, right? They saw what they did to us, so they're going to try. You're right about that. I agree with you there. So I you're mean, going to Florida. I certainly hope I'm wrong with this pick. <laughs> that's just um, that's just a feeling that I have. And I, I can't say that I haven't had that feeling at times this week either. So I, I don't think you're crazy, Dad. That's that, that's a very fair pick, a fair breakdown. It's just funny because I, I – Knowing you, I know that you always like the teams that you love. They're they're near and dear to your heart. You just always get down on them sometimes and things like that. And that is, so it didn't surprise me. It didn't surprise me. Could be right though, but it didn't surprise me. And and on the surface, you might not be wrong. Like I think on the surface, you look at this game and say, oh yeah, like Florida's going to win this game, right? I think that's what most people in the country who don't follow either team as closely as we do. I think that's what most people are saying. If you look at this on the surface. Yeah, Florida's got a prolific offense, and we certainly don't. We put up, what, 14 points on Kentucky? You got the perception that Kyle Trask is this elite quarterback. While we're starting a, a former walk-on at quarterback, we might as well still be a walk-on as far as a lot of people are concerned. And people think that Georgia's defense is good, but, oh, yeah, you know what? We got torqued by the only elite offense that we faced this year, and Florida doesn't have a lot of success just like Alabama did. Oh, and, yeah, as you mentioned, Dad, Georgia's decimated by injuries. I think that's the surface that people look at and say, yeah, Georgia's like not, Georgia has no chance to win this game. And most media members, I think they stop at the surface level. They, they make a living off surface level takes. And, and that's how – and, Dad, I, I agree. Like, that's how I felt Sunday and, and even into Monday. I was, I was totally with you, Dad. I said, you know what, God, there's no way we're going to win this game. I, I had those feelings after Kentucky's. like, man, like, this is – let's just enjoy these next five or six days until Saturday, until next Saturday hits when my heart's going to explode and it's going to suck. But I think when you really begin to peel back the layers and, and kind of look underneath the surface, I think you see a little bit of a different story. So once I dug into this matchup, those initial thoughts, I, they, they kind of began to change. And here's what I see, Dad. And feel free to disagree with me here, but here's what I see when I watch the tape. I see a Florida defense that really struggles to stop a competent rushing attack. And it's beyond the numbers. Their numbers are not great. They're not horrible. They're not great either. But I've watched this team play, and they get moved off the line of scrimmage. I think when teams go – the only time they stop teams from running is when teams just stop running the ball. Like teams just try to get fancy and just stop running it. But they cannot stop people running the football. I haven't seen it yet. And we are running the ball better and better by the week. That gives me some optimism here. I also see a Florida secondary that's really struggling. They're giving up over 300 yards per game passing right now. The quarterbacks are completing 66% of the passes against them. They've given up 10 passing plays of 30 or more yards, which is 10th in the SEC. And I know it's popular to hate on Stetson Bennett. And guys, I've done my fair share of that. I'm as guilty as the next person. But coming into last week, Stetson was actually number one in air yards in the SEC. He's trying to push the ball down the field. Maybe not always with a ton of success, but he's trying to. George Pickens, if he plays, he needs to play, guys. If he doesn't play, it, I, my pick's going to be changed. But he, was, he, he got out of the black non-contact jersey on Wednesday. He did practice. I think he's going to play. It, it seems like a pain threshold kind of thing. And I think with him, I think even with Stetson, I think we can win the matchups in the passing game and keep them off balance enough to move the football. And I also, on the flip side, see a Florida team that struggles to consistently run the football. And they've gotten away with that. They've gotten away with being a one-dimensional offense because they haven't really played any good defenses. Like AM has been the best team they've faced. AM's pretty good. They're okay defensively. 
But here's the thing. One-dimensional teams don't typically fare all that well against Kirby Smart defenses. They usually don't. And and that, this is where I, I disagree with just a little bit, Dad. I, I think that I don't see Florida as a team that really threatens you vertically all that much. 71% of their wide receivers' yard, the receiving yards, have come after the catch. Kyle Trask only has four total completions on the year of 20 or more yards outside the hashes. He's not that kind of guy. I just don't see him pushing the ball vertically. They're going to want to, they're probably going to try to do that. I just don't know how much success they're going to have. I just don't think they're as much like Alabama as people want to believe. I think Florida is very, very good on offense, but they're also very different on offense than what Alabama is. They're not as balanced. They don't run the ball as well. They rely more on scheming guys get open. They rely more on intermediate passing in the, in the passing game from the slot with guys like Kyle Pitts and, and Kadarius Tony. So I just don't know if they're exactly like Alabama. I know Alabama put a bloody yards on us. I just don't know if Florida's necessarily equipped to do the exact same way, at least do it the same way that Alabama did it. Now, Dad, I agree that injuries certainly concern me, um, especially the Jordan Davis injury, as you mentioned. When they spread us out with 10 personnel, that's going to be a problem. Hopefully we can, we can find some guys to handle that. Richard LeCount being out obviously concerns me because I don't – like even with LeCount, I'm not sure we had an answer for Kyle Pitts, but he gave us more of a chance to have some sort of answer. So that's concerning. We have to find a way to limit him. I'm also not sure we have an answer for Kadarius Tony, but we are like again. They try to. They really like to get the ball in space and, and force you to try to make a tackle, and then have a guy like Kadarius Tony make you miss. But we're the top tackling team in the SEC right now, so hopefully we can keep them in front of us and get them on the ground. And here's another thing: I like our ability to pressure Kyle Trask, who like he really isn't good when you can pressure him with a four man rush. Um, and we're number one in sacks right now in the SEC. So if we can win first and second down and get to third down with our dime package, where we can do a lot of crazy things, exotic things, rushing the passer, I think we might be in business. And I will say Trask does a good job getting the ball out quickly. He also hasn't thrown less than four touchdowns in a game. The guy's playing really well. But he isn't a great athlete. And he will absolutely make ill-advised passes when you put him under pressure. He will throw the ball up for grabs when you get him under pressure. They also have a weak offensive line. Azizo Jolari is a top-rated edge rusher on pro football focus. In the SEC right now, again, we're number one in sacks. I think we'll have a better chance to pressure him than anyone they faced all year. And here's – here's I'll kind of wrap this up here. At the end of the day, we have two edges that I think are really important in a game like this. I think we have the talent edge, and I think we have the coaching edge. Dad, would you agree with me there? Do you think we have both the talent edge and the coaching edge in this game? I would tend to agree with that. The um, I think the one thing that Georgia really has to focus on is just not making the critical mistake offensively yeah we cannot we cannot afford any of these um interceptions to uh you know halt a long drive yeah and i'm concerned about the grantham in the way that he likes to blitz a lot and i know bennett's going to have he's going to have his hands full trying to pick up on the blitz and get the ball in his short and intermediate passes i think is sometimes a problem with the passes being batted down or tipped at the line of scrimmage. I think those are things which he has to really um, find, find a way to, to take care of. Yeah, the bad down balls have been an issue. But balls get bad down by a lot of guys. He certainly had, he's had some two that were intercepted, which is – that's tough to handle. But he's, um, he's got to do better – he's got to do a better job of, of moving the pocket and getting out – getting into some open throwing lanes and, and all that kind of stuff because it, it's that certainly has been an issue. But I – when you look at him, like when he's been blitzed, he's been fine. His overall grade, he's he's grayed out as a 73. By comparison, Kyle Trask, when he's pressured, is only grayed out as a 55. But Stetson, when he's blitzed, he's been fine. And, of course, they like to blitz a lot. We know that Todd Griffin likes to do that. But I do. I think we have the talent edge. I think we have the coaching edge. I would give Florida the quarterback edge pretty clearly here. 
and, and their offense certainly has a lot more continuity than our offense. But that's really the edge that they have. And, and that's the only edge that they have. I think the quarterback edge and the continuity edge on offense. I think those are the two edges they have in this game. And I don't know. And that may be enough for them to win. It might be enough for them to win. Maybe. But I also think having more talent, having the better coaching staff, is, is, which is what I believe that we have, I think that's a really good starting point. doesn't mean you're going to win, but it's a really good starting point. You're right, Dad. If you turn the ball over, it, it negates the talent edge. So you can't do that. But I think it's a good starting point. I think, and so, yeah, I agree with you. I think the keys in not turning the ball over and also getting out to a lead, force them to play our game. If we get behind early and turn the ball over, putting us in a big hole, we will be playing their game and it could get ugly fast. But if we come out and punch them in the mouth from the opening step and impose our style of the game, we can and we will win if we can do that. It's hard to predict. I don't know. Dad, you could certainly be right on this. I, I, I don't have a ton of confidence here. If we play like we did offensively against Kentucky, I don't know if it'll work. But I think we're better than that. I think we have more offensively. If we can get Pickens back, I think that will change what we did. I think that's a big reason why we did what we did last week, and more game plan specific for Kentucky. They will assign up what's going to be coming the rest of the way. So you know what? Let's just take a flyer here, guys. Let's go dogs to win. Uh, three and a half, the hook. Let's take dogs to win, and I'll take Florida to cover. I'm going to say dogs by a field goal. I think it's, I think Charlie, I think it's going to be cold here, or close here. All right. That's it. All right, that's it. Dad, thanks for coming on. It was great. Had a lot of fun. Had a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, you're, I know you, you pulled over the side of the road, so get back in the car and get home safe, all right? Okay. All right, talk to you later. Bye. All right, guys, that does it for us here today on the Glory UJ podcast. Had a lot of fun doing that. Hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. We'll see how it all plays out. I don't know. I'm not I'm not 100% confident here, guys. But you know what? I'm going I'm to put the faith in my dogs here. I think Kirby Smart's to get this team ready to play. I think we, got, we have more than what we showed on Saturday against Kentucky. So let's just hope that we can get this one and take control of the SEC East. But, of course, we'll be back to cover it all next week, however it turns out. But thanks for listening, guys. For my dad, for Charlie, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.